0: Welcome into the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group, and now, Kevin Ray.
1: Welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. Thank you for joining us. Very excited to be here on this hot summer day. This is uh, one of those times of the year that we definitely know that the market is hot literally and figuratively and there's so much to talk about. I feel like it's been a long time since I've been here, but it really hasn't been all that long. But we've had some really great uh, reruns of the greatest in the Housing Hour. We had the um, the great one that we posted, the Heroes Within, Mark. That was around July 4th that we had done a few years ago. Several years. Ago. Yeah, and it, but it was still really impactful for for us because you know we have a lot of veterans, family members who. Either have served or are you know serving right now, and so that was a really nice show. So if you want to go back and catch that, you can go look on thehousinghour.com. dot
2: And that goes to the greatest generation. Mm, we yes. had some real fun yeah. interviews,
1: and you know, those, a lot. Of, I think, except with the exception of your father in law, <laughs> yeah. have they not all passed away. Oh. Yes. Yeah, I don't know that's why that's true. funny. But well, that's okay.
2: because I thought you were going to say interesting with the exception of your right. no,
1: No, 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 no. But that, you know, and, and also I was listening, and this isn't one that we, we, we ran on the air. And Tom, we're going to get to you in just a minute. Sorry. No but the one that I really liked that we reposted on, on Facebook was the one, uh, it was the, the, the ladies who stayed back at home to take care of the homestead. Right. And I can't remember what we dubbed it, but it was a really great show. Homefront home from, yes the lady who she, she heard of pearl harbor she was at a picnic in san francisco right. and one of her friends drove up the hill and you know broke the news to him right. it was just an incredible story so speaking of pearl harbor we have in the studio with us today tom white our our resident expert appraiser um he's our favorite appraiser he just does a really good job helping us to see the whole landscape of the market And not just for Knoxville, the stuff that he has shared with us in the past has been very, very topical for across the country. Um, And one of the things that I learned just, and we'll talk more about it, is that even different markets within those markets, there's sub-markets. And I was embarrassed to say that not that I didn't understand it, but it was I'd never really looked at it from that perspective. So anyway, with without any further ado, Tom, why thank you for coming in. You're welcome. Absolutely excited. I actually saw Tom. Uh, both um, he and I were at, um, what was it, Harper Collision? Yeah. We were dropping cars off not too long ago. Um, they did a great job. I hope you found it to be the oh, same. Oh, they did a great job. Yeah. I yeah. need to see about getting sponsorship money from them if we're going to talk about them. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but Tom, uh, you have been appraised for, how long now have you been appraising for? Uh, let's see, since
3: 1986. So 86. the math there is, yeah. 33 years.
1: Yeah, that was when Tennessee went 0-5 for the first five games and they won the last five. Beat Memphis. Yeah. At Memphis. Mm, yeah. That was a great year.
3: Yeah, that's a good year the guy sat on the billboard in Nashville and oh. wouldn't
1: come down until Tennessee won. Do you remember that? Well, and,
2: I, I do, but yeah. 86, wasn't that the Sugar Bowl in well, the first of the year?
1: You're getting confused with 85, I yeah. think.
2: But that was the 85 season, but it was the 86 Sugar Bowl. Are you Bowl questioning eight, my Tennessee? Season,
1: 86, January of 86. It
3: was August. January, 86 in New, New Orleans, Orleans watching that yeah. ball game. Yeah,
1: yeah. and yeah. it was that following year yeah. that we started and out Ken terrible. Ken Donahue
3: got fired halfway through the season. Yeah. That's right, because wow. he went to the
1: 3-4 Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. exactly. Well, this we could talk about Tennessee football the whole show, (laughs) actually. Um But but we could talk about
3: Pearl Harbor if you want.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You
3: know, the Japanese actually made uh three critical mistakes that that, uh Sunday
1: Mm -hmm.
3: that would have changed the course of the war. Um, if they'd have hit us on any day except Sunday because most of the troops were ashore on shore leave. So they hit us on a weekend when most Mm -hmm. of the troops were off the off the uh, battleships, hmm. and they also didn't hit the dry docks, so they didn't bomb the dry docks, nor did they bomb the oil tanks that were sitting across the mountains. Um, and if they'd have done those, if they'd have hit the oil tanks and the dry docks alone, we'd have had to tug all or tow all the all the ships damaged ships to San Francisco and put them in dry docks in order to fix them. Hmm. But we just we fixed them there, and we had the oil to uh resupply the the ships and that's why we were able to go and have the battle of midway just three months later
1: wow
3: and, and when basically the pacific war um uh leg
1: and, of the yeah fight, because
3: yeah. after the battle of midway it was over except mopping up operations people really don't understand that but but japan was out of business after the battle of midway
1: Wow! Wow! Tom White dropping yeah, some that? historic knowledge. That's good information. I just went to Pearl Harbor, I guess, a few months ago, and it was my second time, but my kids' first time, and it was a great experience. Just getting them to and, and trust me, when we stepped onto the when we stepped onto the the whole entire landscape, I made it clear to them, not a word. You, you, when we get when we board this boat. You don't say. I, don't, you're, I took their phone. Well, Patrick doesn't have a phone because we wanted to respect what mm-hmm. it was that we were experiencing. And it was pretty. It was pretty amazing just seeing them and helping them understand it. And they have a. Have you been to Pearl Harbor? Have Never, you, but I'd you love need to go. To, you need to. Oh, I, I'm. I'm dying to go. I'd Mark, really like have to you? Go. Have you? I have not. It, when you go, because they have an experience where you go in initially, and then they have uh, somebody from the army that is Mm -hmm. a park you know whatever and he he knows everything about maybe not as much as you but he he, (laughs) i'm sure he knows more than me (laughs) but but he he tells you the whole story and then you go into this just magnificent theater where it it has footage that i've never seen it's just really a great experience giving me chill bumps and we are in july so it's it's important to to savor and also to Um, remember those who fought before us
3: well we segue off that into Mm -hmm. a gentleman that was actually in the service Mm -hmm. and actually when he got out of the service he loved to hike and camp and um, he was from michigan Mm -hmm. and so when he was in michigan in the 50s he was looking for something to use for camping for his family Mm -hmm. and he couldn't find it anywhere so he decided to start building a camper and the camper evolved into the airstream and the airstream evolved into a mobile home and that's where the mobile home industry originated was in the fifties in Michigan. Was that
1: Frank Winnebago? Um No, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> okay. Who was um
3: it? I-, I can't remember his name, but he yeah. was a dentist and he huh. served he served That's in, interesting. He served in the
1: army in World War II. Yeah.
3: Um uh, camping and fishing with his family. And so um that
1: I see Mark Googling because he yes, loves that, stuff like that, this.
3: That that segued in into um him um you know building his own in his backyard, his own camper. Wow. And that's really where the mobile home industry originated and it grew from there. And you had the airstream trailers, which are, you know, um are which, those the East silver Park.
1: ones? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: stainless steel silver ones, and and then um, from there it grew into the mobile home industry, and then um, you know I, I, obviously Clayton around here is the mm-hmm. biggest distributor. Um, who was a lot, a lot yeah, more than just around here who, too, huh? Who, yeah, he was bought. Um, out about what eight ten years ago, mm-hmm. um, right. and so um, now we have um, not only manufactured homes but we have modular. Modular, homes. and yeah. people really don't understand the difference. You know, you go up to somebody and they'll say, "Oh, that's a mobile home." Well, I mean, that's a generic term. Nobody really calls them mobile homes in our in our vernacular in, in our industry. It's, it's either a manufactured home or it's a modular home, right? And so there's a distinct difference, um, and there's a value difference, and there's a for us, specifically as appraisers, there's a f- difference on the form that you put mm. the, the home on. So, so
1: yeah, because a modular home can basically be appraised with other... You don't have to necessarily... Site built. Yeah, site bill. Mark mm-hmm. and I had the opportunity. Dean has unfortunately passed away. The gentleman who showed us...
2: Dean the, Savels.
1: Yeah, Dean Savels. We went up to their manufacturing plant. And Bean Station. Yeah. Yep. And watched them constructing the yeah. pieces and... Yeah, that 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 is fascinating. That it evolved from that guy mm-hmm. into Wally By- Byram. Byram, I think it is. Okay, yeah. all right, interesting. Well, that's too that's too cool because like Mark, like we we did the series on the Sears kit homes, right? Which is different than a modular home, I would assume, right? Or that's correct. It was it,
2: a you know Sears kit home was a stick belt. You okay. put it together.
1: Uh, have you heard of those? I have. Man alive, and I mean, the, the, there's still a ton of them available out there to look at.
2: And Amazon is starting to sell homes online now.
1: Yeah,
3: you can order them. They're building kits, just kits. like you know, you you got the car kits, and and you know that now you're going to have the the home kits, and and a lot of those are for um, uh, locations like California, San Francisco, like the Ted Kaczynski package. <laughs> yeah yeah it comes with your own bomb making factory um well but but it it you know a lot of those a lot of people um you know like if you go to california you might find a mobile home that sells for four hundred eighty five thousand mm-hmm. dollars
1: where the land's 385 and the home's 100 wow mm-hmm. that's incredible yeah there's a there's a lot to unpack there and i i think that the evolution of homes is such an interesting topic because when you first had Sears kit home, you know, just like any topic, I just don't know a lot about it. But then I do the research and then I'm like, this is very interesting yeah. because of how that took off. And then Amazon taking over the world, you know, soon they're going to be selling, you know, robot mortgage loan officers and appraisers, and we're not going to know what to do. Well, guys, we're going to continue this conversation with Tom White. We're excited to have him in studio today, and we're going to continue talking to him just in a moment, right after these messages.
3: how they died for liberty. Let's remember Pearl Harbor and go on to victory.
0: The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray.
1: Welcome back into The Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I'm your host. I'm here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. I don't think I said that in the first segment. Um, you know, you get off the horse for a little while and you forget how to ride, you know. Um, but I do also want to tell you, because we got into talking about something else, how to plug in with us, and that is to go to thehousinghour.com. Um, that's the treasure trove of information. You can find the shows that Tom has been on in the past. You can use the fancy little search menu there and find all of his shows. And past shows, and actually very entertaining. You know, it may not sound like it yet this first <laughs> segment, but I promise you, if you just keep listening, <laughs> just kidding, I'm just kidding. But no, Tom and I have fun with Mark, and um, but also we're on the social media as well, so you can go to uh, Facebook.com/slash The Housing Hour um, and. Twitter at the Housing Hour. Those are the best ways to plug in with us. And um, as maybe you all have noticed, we've really boosted our uh, social game in in the last few months and um, built an editorial calendar and have been a little bit more intentional of making sure that things are. Are, are coming out and and I like it too, Mark, because we get to reintroduce shows that maybe mm-hmm. in the past with how many we've done, and it it's very nice to be able to continue to share what it is that we've created.
2: And I like the fact that we have a team behind us doing yeah. it.
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. But it's mainly me and you. (laughs) I'm just kidding. kidding. No, they're a great team. We thank them so much. Um, But Tom being in studio today, you know, as I drove over here, I was thinking and I was just, you know, driving because I normally I come down I-40 and I just hit all, you know, interstate and then come right over and I don't see any neighborhoods. But I was coming because I had to come from my house. so I was coming through some neighborhoods and the market right now, now this is just me sensing it, and we're going to continue talking about the topic we came from, but I do want to get your answer on this because I don't want to let it pass. Just Can you just, before we move to back to what we were talking about, can you give me just the overall feel of the market? Because, and I'm not talking about sub-markets because we're going to talk about the difference between manufactured and modular. I don't want just yet, I don't want to know about that. Just in general, give me the 30,000-foot view of what's happening.
3: Um, as long as... Employment remains high. Mm-hmm. The housing market will remain hot. Mm. Um, I mean, there's a direct correlation. Mm. So, and and you have here in the state of Tennessee, you have people coming into migrating into the state due to lower taxes, mm-hmm. um, better climate um, you know, all those factors, yeah, that no,
1: no state income tax. That's huge. Yeah, it's,
3: it is huge.
1: Um, and if so, you're not a, if you're not a resident of the United States, it's even better because you don't have any taxes. That's, that's correct. <laughs> I'm just kidding.
3: <laughs> well, that's a whole another show. <laughs> it's a whole other show. <laughs> um, but you know, it's, it's really a good market right now. And, and what really is surprising to me is the high end markets coming back pretty strong? Mm, yeah. Um. You know, it really lags, and I think the last time I was on your show, we we talked about the lower end market was really hot, but I told you the higher end market was lagging. Yeah. And now the higher end market is starting to come back, yeah. and so, you know, I, I remember um, it was two thousand and. 12 Mm
2: -hmm.
3: i was doing some research my wife and i were out looking for homes and um i was doing some research on sales of a million dollars and up oh big boy (laughs) well i mean i was just fooling around um it wasn't i was gonna buy in that market but i was looking in that market in farragut it was was not one house that had sold in farragut in two years over a million dollars
1: wow so and that was 2012
3: and yeah from two, in 2010 2011 to 2012 there was not one house that sold for more than a million dollars now there was a lot listed right but none had sold mm-hmm. um, and now if you go and you pull up in that zip
1: code you you'd probably find 40 or 50 that' had sold Wow that's a big deal because back when we when you're looking at those numbers in mm-hmm. 10 11 and 12 some of 12 that's what we were sort of just coming out we're just we're
3: starting to barely lift and and people talk about you want to talk about the general economy for a second people talk about um wow this is the longest stretch of uh, economic gain that we've had you know normally we've had we go in cycles we'll go in about five year cycles of Mm -hmm. economic gain so Um, And then we'll have a a slight recession. And a recession is defined by two uh, back-to-back quarters Mm -hmm. of – uh, drop in the gdp mm-hmm. so if you have one that's not a recession but if you have two that's considered a recession and mm-hmm. and in a historical perspective a long time ago a recession was a depression but when the depression came along they 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 actually flipped those terms yeah. and the depression came to recession so no,
1: wait a minute this is a depression we're yeah. gonna call that something else yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. so
3: but um back to my point you know we've we've had from I think 2008 or nine, I think nine. I think from 2000. no, Wait a minute, it might have been ten. But anyway, we've had about eight or nine years of growth. Mm-hmm. Okay, and but it was so tepid. It was like one percent for the first six, five or six years of Barack Obama's right. presidency.
1: Mm-hmm. And here, I'm we go. here
3: I'm not here I'm just to kidding. to to dig on him, but you know we were really coming out of a deep problem.
1: Um, yeah, and and, it, when he and came it getting in that train to, yeah.
3: pushing takes a while.
1: Yeah, so but, you're giving him some credit there.
3: Sure, I mean <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not you know here to
1: go one way. I know or the other. I'm messing with you,
3: but but now that we're completely out of it, yeah, I still think that there's probably at least two to three years left of this cycle, mm-hmm. I, and as long as inflation stays low mm-hmm. and employment stays high, the housing market will continue to <clears> trade. But we've up
2: got already. an inverted yield curve right now that we do typically, c- that typically c- points to recession 18 to 12 yeah, you
3: know that that is true um however when you look at that inverted yield curve you also have um uh, a reduction in employment and so when you don't have that reduction in employment it's not as a leading indicator as as you would think
1: mm-hmm. so um I don't know. You got we'll dimes see. dropping all over the place. I love it. I really do because it's interesting how you're able to correlate because it very much is to what the market's doing to what the economy doing. Anybody who would try to not correlate them just may show they just don't have the full spectrum of knowledge that they need to, you know, well, first of all, be an expert on this show. But more importantly, what is going to happen in the future, you know, because just like we've always said, in order to really be able to know what's going to happen in the coming months, you really need to understand what's happened in the past. And also because you just made the point, the inverted yield curve, because of the fact that employment, the correlation there and how that could that could that may not follow suit because of this one little caveat. That's good information, man. You know, not, we don't get that. We don't get that every day. We don't.
2: Well, I, I found good. it interesting. The first time it inverted was back in March mm-hmm. of this year. Yep. And at the, and before that, you remember the QE1s and QE2s yep. and yep. the bond purchase yep. program? Yep. Well, we started selling the mm-hmm. bonds, you know, starting, mm-hmm. uh, ah. you know, It's called relieving.
3: monetary easing. Yeah. yeah,
2: monetary easing. But now we started back before March mm-hmm. of 2019, we started selling those bonds out. So it's depleting our portfolio in the Treasury Department. Mm-hmm. And then when they stopped selling them, that's mm-hmm. when it inverted. I don't know if that's a coincidence. Do
1: you not. know
3: who holds the most debt in the United China?
1: States? No.
2: Nope. No, we
1: do. We do. Oh, the Federal yeah. Reserve holds you debt. Y'all set me up for that. Look at you. $2 trillion? Making the host look it's bad. A, How much? It's more than that. Two, two, tri- two to yeah. four trillion yeah, it's, it's it's close to five trillion dollars now when you say us do you mean as Americans well, hedge the, federal fund manager, Reserve. The, federal,
3: the Federal Reserve is the l- largest bank in the world and they're privately owned people don't understand that they're not owned by the government mm-hmm. they're the largest right. privately owned bank in the world and they set they set monetary policy for the United States mm-hmm. um, and if you ask Ron Paul or, or Rand Paul mm-hmm. n- either one would tell you that they're the
1: devil incarnate yeah but right what, know, what would RuPaul say, though? Is the question. <laughs> RuPaul <laughs>
3: says that they should be a her and not a him. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but that that's probably goes over some of your listeners' head. They're probably not un, old enough to understand. We
1: have pretty smart listeners, oh, okay. Tom. Okay, <laughs> I'm <just Well>. kidding. <laughs> we do. But uh, go ahead. But
3: um, you know, so so the Federal Reserve holds a lot of debt. We have a lot of debt held by pension, pension funds, um, mm-hmm. and then we have um, you know Canada. Uh, Mexico, you know, you you have other countries around the world, China. But, you know, China, um, I mean, if there ever comes a point where we stop being the reserve currency of the world, you'd see an overnight plunge of 20 to 30 percent of every piece of real estate in the United States.
1: Yeah. Well, and there's obviously been many attempts for that to occur in the history of the world. Well, it has occurred. It has. The
3: last time it occurred was... After World War II, when the why do you keep British, posing questions? You're the guest. When the <laughs> British <laughs> sterling, when the <laughs> British sterling um, um, was was the reserve currency, mm. and then after World War II, the um, British sterling the, or the pound
1: um, went away, and the dollar became the reserve currency. I remember the the there's pictures that you recall of. I think it might have been Germans I'm assuming this is my ignorance a little bit Mm -hmm. where they had wheelbarrow full that's right well the reason they had such hyperinflation is because
3: of M1 M2 all of their currency was in paper Mm -hmm. Um, and in the United States only about 5 to 10 percent of currency is in paper the rest is Mm -hmm. pseudo in other words it's
1: there speaking of money Mm -hmm. we got this coming up this is a really good segue. I love it. You're the man. Well, this is great. I tell you what. We're going to get to some topics that are related more back to what we originally started with, but this is feeding the masses. This is such good information. It's like it's like really good for me to listen to. It is definitely the 30,000 view. Yeah. Well, we're going to be right back right after these messages.
0: Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray.
1: Welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray, and I will tell you this we're grateful to be here. <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> we have a good time, Tom. I tell you, uh, this is great stuff. And, you know, the last segment we were talking about the market and a little bit more, really, in detail about the economy and Man, I think we actually might even consider having another show on that that piece alone Mm -hmm. because it's fascinating to me. And some of the um off air stuff that we've talked about is 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 like gold, literally and figuratively. Or R rated. I would say PG. PG. (laughs) PG? Okay. Yeah, maybe PG thirteen. I don't know. (laughs) But um and also speaking of videos, the you know, we know that uh we we wanna do some videos of our shows in the future. So that's something that's sort of on the the burner where we would have videos. I'm I'm Totally joking, but well, you we got, do got a great—you got a great
3: face for radio.
1: Yeah, oh, <laughs> listen to this! Oh, this guy—people are turning. Our, our ratings are going to skyrocket. I can promise you. Um, so, Tom, we were at the first segment. Mm-hmm. We were talking about the modular homes, manufactured homes, and you mentioned like not a lot of people know the difference because they hear modular home and they think initially almost everybody that that's a manufactured home or they, they may be a home exactly. or even they may flip it even, you know, it's well, manufactured. Uh, well, so tell me, yeah.
3: there, there is no, um, you cannot mix the terms. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Totally different. You, you, right. If you pull up a listing of a realtor, it cracks me up and they'll have, this is a manufacturer slash modular home. Well, no. Right. You know, you, you, it's not like an, an Indian and a, um, somebody else coming together, making a baby mm-hmm. and you know, can we uh, it's back either, this up? A little? It's, it's, <laughs> e- it's either a manufactured home, <laughs> right, or it's not, or it's not, right. And so, um, yeah, both of them are built in a factory, yeah. But technically, one is either modular and one is manufactured.
1: Mm-hmm. And so, um, talk to me about why okay, that is.
3: A manufactured home um, comes on a um, on a. A, a big frame truck that always frame, gets in my way. Yes, <laughs> a big frame. And they're usually in two sections. Yeah. And uh, they have no perimeter weighting. So when you set them up, you might put uh, blocks around the perimeter, but that those blocks around the perimeter have no weight on them. Mm-hmm. The weight is distributed along the spine of the um, two sections. Okay. And okay. so a on-frame mod is the exact same, mm-hmm. except um, – because it From also code, comes in a I mean, yes yeah. You, yeah they go down the road the same way mm-hmm. and if you drove past them when they're sitting um, next to each other if um, you probably couldn't tell a difference by l- just looking because
1: they built the sheetrock in i mean they do well well the uh,
3: difference between a modern and manufactured home is a modular home has higher grade uh sheetrock mm, okay. it has a higher grade um, uh, electrical system Mm-hmm. and it has a um a better roofing truss system so okay. it's about a ten thousand dollar upgrade cost mm-hmm. actual cost from the manufacturer to do those things mm-hmm. um there's a, a probably a few other little um points in there that that make a difference in, in between a modular manufactured home from fannie mae freddie mac
1: um standpoints mm-hmm. but in order freddie to- mac and fannie mae by the way are the the two investors that buy loans from right. most all Americans. Yeah. For those who didn't know, and,
3: and Fannie Mae won't do an on-frame mod, mm. but HUD will. Wow. FHA will um, finance an on-frame mod where Fannie Mae will not. They you have to be off-frame mod for Fannie Mae. Oh, to,
1: okay. So that's the distinction. That's and the
3: distinction. Yeah. And you can certify off-frame. Yeah. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. um and, and and from our perspective, um. Uh, uh, a manufactured of, home of, of which appraisers, yeah, not
1: economists. From, which yes, you were from from an
3: appraiser standpoint <laughs> um, and uh, a manufactured home goes on a 1004C form oh okay and a modular home goes on a 1004 mm-hmm. and the, which is what and a the underwriting stick rules home. the underwriting rules are that if it's a modular home I can compare it to any stick built home in the United States yeah. it, but if it's a manufactured home I have to have two manufactured sales As comps, and I can use one stick built.
1: So you're saying anywhere in the United States, so you don't have like a uh, distance restriction?
3: Yeah, he's got distance. Yeah, he got distance restrictions, but Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac sell paper throughout the United States. I got you. Okay, Okay. all right, I got you. So there's no difference. Aesthetically,
2: is there a difference between the. You can't tell by looking. Looking at them, they just... From a look stick Wow.
3: It's really hard. Yeah. Um, but I will tell you the difference. Um, if you go up and you look at a new one, mm-hmm. um, HUD homes, or they call them uh, uh, manufactured homes, um, have red stickers. And they have to have a sticker on each section. And they have what we call a HUD certificate inside. And, Inside, and then, meaning in, like... Like uh, attached to a kitchen kitchen cabinet, uh, cabinet or, something. Okay. or something. Oh, okay. And it gives all the information about about the home. It gives a serial number. It gives the model number. It gives the year it was built, the day it was built. So it that's gives, a
1: change, because yeah. back when I was a- actively originating, the appraiser would say, there's no tags on this home, right? You know, it, because now, it was somewhere else. Yeah,
3: now, they've had tags since the beginning, uh-huh. um, and they've had HUD certificates since the beginning, but just recently, they've really... Wanted all that information on 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 the um, forms, but um, if you have a if you walk into a ma- modular home, it has a green tag mm. and it only needs one.
1: Oh, okay.
3: So they they put a um, a modular green tag and usually they put it in a laundry room or something. And they staple it to the wall and then they also have a HUD certificate there. Um, they have a certificate there. It's not a it's not a housing urban development a, a uh-huh. certificate, but they have a certificate about the home. All right, mm-hmm. um, and like I said. You have on-frame mods, off-frame mods. But a manufactured home is always on-frame. Okay. Okay. In a manufactured home, you have to take the wheels and the tongue off. The tongue is a little thing that, that they that they pull the home with. Right. The other thing about a manufactured home is it can only be moved once. So it can be moved, and when it's moved from the manufacturing facility to the site where it's going to be built, that is the only time FHA will finance it. If it's ever moved again, FHA will not finance or warrant the. the is there
1: home. like a transportation record of some kind? There, there should be. Yes. Wow. And, so when you're doing a manufactured home, is that another another yes, leg something of something else? You got to say right. Yeah,
2: yeah, they have to give that verbiage. Otherwise, if yeah. we kick it back to home.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Another and, thing that we, which you maybe were getting ready to talk. about, uh, for, about this but i'd like to get in on the second no 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 oh, you okay. smart out there. <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> no about because you remember most of the time we'd say well it's on a permanent foundation and realtors and even lenders alike and just everybody they would you know of course it's on a permanent foundation That's the number. Yeah, of course, it's not a permanent foundation. But talk to me about that. okay permanent
3: foundation as defined by HUD. Is it required? It is required. But they do it differently. Mm -hmm. And a permanent foundation required by HUD is the house has to be um, what they call hurricane wrapped into the ground. So what that means is you take
1: hurricane wrapped into the ground. Yeah. That sounds like a bad wrapper.
3: Yeah. What it means is you take metal straps uh-huh. and you and you strap them and you and and you permanently affix these straps to the to the frame. Uh-huh. And then you take like piece of rebar and you nail that Are piece you of making rebar. This up? No, I'm not making okay. this up. That's and it. you nail the rebar into the ground.
1: Uh-huh. And <clears throat> they also have. Um, this is what James Bauman used to tell us all the time. And I think it's
2: referred the, as tie-down.
1: Yes. Okay. People call it tie-downs. Um, and and you,
3: you can also have what they call um, space bars, mm-hmm. where these are bars that go between the foundation piers. Now, okay. if you're doing a HUD loan and, and you an FHA appraisal on a manufactured home, and you have dry-stacked block as the foundation okay you got a footer you pour a footer then you dry stack block um and then you set the um manufactured frame on that dry stack block more than likely you're going to shim it with some wood shims Mm -hmm. okay to get it level which is pretty standard Um, but what fha requires is that that pier that that frame is sitting on has to be
1: one unit is that perpendicular or horizontal or tell me where that pier goes That,
3: that here usually goes runs down the very middle of each
1: unit okay so up along the each sides of of the no s- not
3: along the sides it's in the middle right in the middle okay. of each segment okay okay right. section mm-hmm. so what hud requires is that each one of those if it's dry stack stone or block then it has to be skim coated with cement to make it one unit So if you go look at one of these and you open up the crawl space and it's not been skim-coated with cement then um it's in violation of fha code
2: can you still have if you have that scenario what you just mm-hmm. say can you skirt it and put skirt around it and that be acceptable no the skirt Are you kidding? the
3: skirt <laughs> the skirt is just the perimeter the perimeter what's that going to do you were just asking what i'm what i'm talking about is the actual piers at the weight of the home is right. on not right. the perimeter piers so fha also requires on the perimeter on the perimeter that those blocks or, or that the perimeter not be just vinyl skirting. Okay. So the skirting has to be rigid. Mm-hmm. So you can have vinyl over wood, mm-hmm. but what it is, it it creates, they don't want animals and other things coming and easily getting in underneath the house and they don't yeah. want wind easily getting underneath the house. Right. So they require what they call, um, what they call, uh, a for a better term, a solid foundation Mm. around the home. Most, like, Clayton does it all in block, but there's no perimeter waiting Mm. on that foundation. Wow. That's why they used to skirt it. Yeah, yeah, and that's what they call a skirt. But what I'm talking about, skim coating the blocks, I'm talking about the
1: blocks yeah. that are actually have the weight. It sounds work. like you're skirting the issue just a little bit, but that's okay. I'm kidding. Well, I'm you just know, thinking. we could get into that. Kevin. We'll continue Once. this conversation just a moment right after these messages. I was trying. To-
0: Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray.
1: Welcome back into The Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray, our last segment here with Tom White. Thank you all for joining us today. We're excited to have you guys stop into The Housing Hour. And just don't forget, thehousinghour.com. You can find this show, past shows. Also, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast. You can go to iTunes and search that um i love listening to podcasts i listen to a lot of them and as a matter of fact i was on my, my way over are you yawning uh-huh. <laughs> I was on my way to charlotte and i was able to listen to like because what i like to do and i would advise you all to do this as well especially through when tom is talking is to increase the, s- the speed of the person to one and a half because then oh. you get through what they're saying a lot quicker And it just sort of expedites things. You
2: feel like you're at Disney.
1: Yeah. And then you can slow it back down when I come on, because you do want to sort of, you know, a little more rich, a little bit more, you know, information, but (laughs) (laughs) we have a good time. But in all seriousness, uh, the one that I was going to recommend until Tom started making fun of me was Entree Leadership. It's a great, Dave Ramsey was the founding company of it. And Ken Coleman, who is the guy who does the podcast. Oh, man, it's such good content. And it's it, you can get it right on your phone. It's great. I listen to a bunch of podcasts on the way. So since Tom's not interested in that, let's transition back. Um We were talking off air because I do want to make this point. Because, first of all, what you just described, which was the skirting the interior how it is that they are to affix the two together to make them permanent Mm -hmm. and so people because people say it's a permanent foundation they're thinking that that's just like how it sits which is part of it but but more importantly it's it's how it's attached together and you mentioned to me that that's you know they do it the way that it would need to be done the minimum amount Mm -hmm. that that's hud though that's what fha requires if you get an appraisal Requests which do we you know some companies are better I know we do them they're a little more tricky if it's a conventional loan can you tell well, me what- I can
3: I can tell you that uh, most conventional loans actually for manufactured homes they mirror FHA requirements hmm. um, the only thing that they really don't sweat is the skim coating and the perimeter the concrete curtain. skim coating. Yeah, the concrete skim coating on the piers mm-hmm. and the perimeter skirting doesn't have to be, um, a uh, solid, solid.
1: Yeah, it can <clears throat> it can be vinyl.
3: It can be a vinyl skirt.
1: Okay, interesting. Because I guess if you're a person that's out there looking for a house, you mentioned that you have done a lot of these manufactured homes mm-hmm. and very high uh, valued ones right in Farragut. I mean, in, in our neck of the woods, because it is a good cost for like if you look at what the the cost that you are paying for the value
3: L- let me ask tell you me. this yeah yeah L- let me give you a, go ahead I'll and ask see, some more questions. i'll see how uh, up to date you all on the on the market uh-huh. let me tell you I,
1: I got a first of all uh, you're the appraiser yeah you're the host you
3: got a 1600 square foot brand new uh-huh. fha quality manufactured home mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on a lot off yarnell road in farragut mm-hmm. brand new lot yarnell road what do you think that
1: would sell for today? I'm going to go. How many I'm going to go. Feet? 1,500 square feet. He said 1,600, but we'll Six, now say 1,600. 15, 15. Okay. Actually,
3: it'd be 1,568 square feet if it's 27 okay. by 56.
1: I'm going to say 172,000.
3: Yeah,
2: I would be right in there.
1: You're pretty close mm.
3: because the lot itself would be right. in the 50 to 70 range. Mm-hmm. And then the house. You look disappointed that the we house, were so I was. I was very disappointed. <laughs> um, the, the house, uh, depending upon the um, component items the house, would probably right. run. The quality of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, in the probably now he's trying 80 to, to 90,000 range. Mm-hmm. And then it would be about 20 to get it put together. Mm-hmm. So uh, that once I mean, but mm-hmm. to your point though, but what if you bought a 1600? House, but that same house, let's say in Granger County, mm. put on a one-acre lot is forty thousand dollars less because the yeah. land cost. Now so the, much. The, the the manufactured cost is the same, the transportation cost, the assembled cost is the same, but the land cost is so much different. That's why you see most manufactured homes out in the suburban, <clears throat> rural areas. You, it's very difficult or very. Uh, surprising to find these homes in um, more dense populated areas simply because the land cost so high.
1: And that right there is a perfect example of supply and demand because there's more <clears throat> people wanting lo- lots, land in. <coughs> in Farragut or in West Knoxville than in Granger County. And that doesn't make Granger County. It just means there's more space over there. I mean, you then not as many people are buying. So that makes total sense to me, but where I wanted to learn a little more since we're running out of time because a modular people that are thinking, okay, well, you know, they're thinking, okay, I see some mod homes out there. You know, we, you know, that's the short term Mm -hmm. mod home and then man home. We call those man homes. Um, is that a safe bet for me? They they start thinking through. Okay, is is there a problem going to arise when I try to resell it and all of those things? Well, if somebody is out there in the market, they're going to get probably what I mean. I don't know if there's a number, but for the same price, they may get eight nine hundred square feet more, maybe, from a mod home to a stick built. Or am I am I overestimating that significantly?
3: No, you're not. Um, you know, if you take um, let's say let's say if you're going to say Hundred and eighty to $200,000, uh-huh. okay? Um, you could probably get a um, 1,500, 1,400-square-foot modular home for that uh-huh. out in the county, <clears throat> um, whereas it would probably be 200000 maybe, maybe more for a stick built home. Now, a modular home, most of them are larger um it's you don't really find modular homes in the 1500 square foot range. They 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 are out there, but mm-hmm. most modular homes are nineteen hundred to twenty two hundred square feet.
1: Wow! So are they are they also in two sections? They come in two sections. Most most Clayton mod homes come in two sections, but they can come and they in, come
3: in three. I was going to say because I remember and seeing, each yeah. section will have their own HUD HUD tag if they're manufactured, yeah. but a modular home. Um, uh, is a green tag and a
1: manufactured home's a red tag? Right. But um what if it has a red and green tag? You're going to be really messed up. It's a manufactured ha- home. Has that ever happened? Oh yeah. Oh, but then be- based on, on the colors, home, yeah, always a manufactured. Exactly. Home. It's like a cucumber. The, Once it the other thing a pickle, is about
3: manufactured homes is if you ever cut into a manufactured home,
1: it's a manufactured home.
3: No. If you ever cut into a manufactured home, let's say that you have a manufactured home and you said, I'm going to put an attached garage onto it. It's five years later. And you cut a hole in the wall. Well, that's an automatic engineering inspection from our standpoint, because mm-hmm. anytime you violate the structural integrity of the home, mm-hmm. then you have to have a, an engineer come out and certify which, that that was done.
1: Which a that. seller would be upset by, but at the same time, you need to understand that Better these, sued. these are inspected and these are done for, like, there's certain regulations that follow that and they're built to go to certain guidelines well and as soon as you affect that you got to know that it's right
3: that is a specific fha guideline
1: right right that what about conventional would it be
3: um i would do it on conventional too
1: you would on it as well yeah
3: because i mean you know what if the person you know did something when they cut into that unit that made it structurally you know weakened
1: yeah absolutely well okay perfect example um i have a friend That has a deck on the back of his. I hope that you're my friend. (laughs) That's okay. Um, I have a friend who has a deck on the back of their house, right? Uh And it's in disrepair. Um, And the builder who built it used just regular nails. Should have used deck screws. Deck screws. Well, what has that caused my friend? First of all, his other quote friends have made fun of him because of that, which isn't cool. Plus, his wife is probably giving him a very upset about it, it. and. And, and now, you know, said wife, mm-hmm. which is also one of my friends, has mm-hmm. now had to call a handyman mm-hmm. or a honey-do list doer mm-hmm. because this friend I'm talking about knows nothing about building. So, <laughs> so, to your point, back to the cutting of the wall, you don't know what that contractor is capable of. They might have done it perfectly. But not. as an appraiser, you got to say, appreciate It looks pretty well but you aren't going to take the liability for that
3: you know it's the peter principle Mm -hmm. and and when that stuff that's above my pay grade so i don't know anything about engineering you know so i I doubt it you probably (laughs) i need to hire someone or i need to Mm -hmm. put that
1: liability on somebody else's shoulder who do you recommend you know i don't yeah Honestly, you're not. Well, a home inspector might be able to. But, do that. but
2: I have a question. If mm-hmm. it's an off range unit, it looks like a stick when you go out there. Mm-hmm. Um, if you see something as an add-on, are you still going to require an engineer? Or are you going to know that that's a modular? Well, sometimes
3: off- you wouldn't know.
2: You mm-hmm. see, that's what I was saying. Yeah. So you, but you if, may it's, not know. If, it,
3: if it's a modular home, then um, FHA has different requirements
1: than if it's a manufactured home as it relates to building on to and so forth. Because, Interesting. So
3: if you have an is, let's say you have a manufactured home and you put an addition onto it. Let's say you have a let's say you have a manufactured home that was built in 1978 mm-hmm. or 79,
1: okay? Mm-hmm. And, lead-based paint.
3: Yep. And you and you put a huge addition onto it. Mm-hmm. It's still a manufactured home. I don't care how big that addition right, right, is. Right, right.
1: If you put a wow. frame
3: addition onto that house of 2,000 square feet and yeah. the original manufactured home was 800 square feet, it is still amazing. If you're
1: listening to the podcast, folks, we'll slow it back down to one because I'm about to chime in. I want to thank Tom White for coming in. I mess with him a lot, but he's a great guest and we appreciate him so much. And we need to have you back really soon. And Eric, thank you for spinning the records. Great stuff. And Mark for putting this together for us. Guys, again, on behalf of Mortgage Investors Group, we'll see you next time right here on the Housing Hour.